This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. <laughs> hey everyone! Uh, thanks for stopping by. Um, I am Dana Pickley. I'm Adam Sass. I'm Princess Weeks, and this is Horror is So Queer. Queer! Queer! It's queer! Queer! What are you, queer or something, Princess? <laughs> every day, every day I try. <laughs> I was trying to fit the tone of the episode, the sort of like, we've gotta go get them, they're queer! <laughs> she's a, she's a homosexual! <laughs> <laughs> That 50s scare font just splashes across the screen. Oh, yes. Right. Where's? By the way, we are part of the Anatomy of a Scream podcast network. You can check Anatomy of a Scream out for all your spooky goodies at anatomyofascream.wordpress.com. Yes, indeed. And this is episode four, Our Monsters, Our Sex Drives. (laughs) Inextricably linked. Right. So one of the fun things about researching for this episode was that in the 50s, people were really scared of communism and the homosexual. They were like, one of these things is going to destroy our nation. Could it be both? Maybe. And so you have all of these films that are really focusing on like either mysterious creatures, aliens, or some sort of horrific uh, creature that is coming to uh, take away your women, to mess up your sex drive, or just turn you into a cat person. <laughs> I mean, it's funny to me because like I sure? love because like the, the thing about the fifties is that like like white heteronormative people never had it so good, and they were at the same time never so afraid in their lives. Shook, shook us to like, the core. They were, like, <laughs> they were like on top of the world and could not be more completely plucked about what was hiding behind every corner. They're still terrified. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, like, this is just, like, the famous decade of fear. Yes, it is the famous decade of fear. Uh, in this book that I was reading for uh, this story, which is called The Dread and the Different Gender and the Horror Film, which is like an anthology, it's a, it's a book of horror essays. And one thing that someone mentions in that, horror movies made in the post-war 1950s were really afraid of the repositioning of women within the domestic sphere. So you had films like mm-hmm. The Incredibly Shrinking Man, Hmm, an attack of the 50-foot women, which was like, hmm, so men are are shrinking and women are growing. Mm. Hmm. Listen here, Rosie, get back in the kitchen. Yes. It's like, listen, listen, Samantha on Be a Witch. Yes, she may be a witch, but what does she do? She cook, she clean, she she, she help her man. Yeah, definitely there's the... um... Uh, the power dynamics are very, very firmly in place there. And then you have Andorra who comes in and is just, like, very disruptive to that. And she is the antagonist every time. And we love her for it. She's just like, <laughs> Darren, in this economy, I can't... Talk about reading well, she's as queer. Not, she's... <laughs> she oh, yes. can't even get... She she refuses. I was, I was going to say she can't get his name right, but she refuses to get his name right. She's just like, Durwood... A, a dum-dum something mm-hmm. like guys she, i have straight up done that concerned. to people i don't like right. like i've done that to my friends boyfriends you're you are the endora of your own I dreams am. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So if we're going to start talking about the intersection of horror, queerness, and gay panic, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the 1954 black and white 3D, 3D monster horror film is where we have to begin, where the titular creature, also known as the Gill Man, is just snatching women out of nowhere. And uh, the white men are shook. Yeah, it's um it I mean like listen there's 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 no more like classic like 50s scare movie than like Creature from the Black Lagoon, I think. Um there's a lot I mean there's a lot of like well-known ones, but this is probably the most um iconic of all of them that is not like based on some like folklore sort of thing. Um but yeah, it's um it's very drive-in for, you know, spooky at the drive-in. So, in the film you have these uh, marine uh, biologists or expedition, whatever you do with science and, and fossils. And they find <laughs> whatever the hell it is. Eh, doctor and doctor. Doctor yeah. and doctor. Basically they uh, discover this humanoid fish man. And he instantly takes a liking to Kay, played by Julie Adams, with her long legs and white bikini. And Jess is like, I like her. I see her. I'm going to take her. And so you have this othered, not male, not female figure snatching this woman away, taking taking her to what we can assume will be a cavern of pleasure. And these men, in an attempt to reassert themselves, must destroy this othered creature. And uh, we call that subtext. (laughs) Not to mention that the two male leads have a a brewing homoerotic tension between them. Mm -hmm. They just happen to love the same woman. It's like, ugh. Just saying the just saying the phrase two male leads just makes me go, All right, when are they doing it? <laughs> yeah, I think the 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 men doth protest too much. Like we really gotta go get our friend. <laughs> we have to go save the the woman. Yes. Okay. That's who or it'll love. be like, ooh, it'll look really good. It'll be, it'll look really good for me if I, if I really, if I, if I go out of my way to to save her. It'll look, it'll really lock it in that I'm that I'm straight for her. Right. Well, it is. It's a. Uh, if, if I, I try to remember, if it's Carl that's jealous of uh, of David, David's girlfriend, but it so reminds me of like when my friends would have their boyfriends around. I'd be like, oh, can he just go? Can we just like go? Can we do things without him? Why is he always here? <laughs> right. Why is he always here? It's very that when there's uh when there's the third person in the room, it's just like, oh, you need to go. Right. It's like uh, three's a crowd. It's like three's company, but in the reverse. K is yeah. really the one. It's like, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So in a way, the creature is really helping out on that part. Just really helping, you know, thin that dynamic. And it's interesting because when I was doing research about this uh, this film, it is, it's funny because almost every scene you have, like, it's two Richards. It's Richard Carlson and Richard Dennings. And they spend most of the movie just, like, shirtless, in swim trunks, just diving into the water, coming out of the water, having their harpoons ready. Like, it's very, very, like, okay. That's the thing. Are you like, pointing just, your harpoon at me? Where... 
Well, because like movies are so preoccupied with like you know getting uh, the you know the female characters in bikinis and whatnot, and then like but just any time they like have a male character stripped down, it's it's so on purpose. Like it just has to be loaded in that way. Exactly, and like the Gill Man, like he's mostly slaughtering and killing men. So you have this like ambiguously like sometimes male coded but female coded as well creature with these giant like red lips f- what going about just like kidnapping your women and killing these men and it's like it is peak panic peak panic i love it <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna lie he uh, the gill man looks pretty kissable I mean, it's. It, the, the, I mean, the, the the kissable lips are very emphasized. Yes. So yes, I think we are meant to feel that way. Especially in the posters, where it's like you definitely see all the color uh, coming about. Like, what's that shade you're wearing? Oh, is that Fenty? Uh, <laughs> that's. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yes, it's that's... vegan. <laughs> yes, I mean, well, I mean, that's that's where the three D is. Those lips are coming at you. <laughs> There's a really good essay about this um, called Forget the Babadook. The creature from the Black Lagoon is the true gay icon. Uh, it's on Medium. So if you want to read about that, uh, it's a really fun tongue in cheek kind of essay about it. That is, in fact, all I want to read right now. Right? <laughs> I'm like, that sounds amazing. And it's so true. There's there's so many aspects to it that are just like, hmm, who designed this? Because when we get to The Shape of Water, it was like, Guillermo del Toro was like, how do I make this fish man appealing? And I'm just like, you did a, you did a noble job there. <laughs> for, for sure. For sure. So two years later, after Creatures from the Black Creature from the Dark Lagoon, we get Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is an iconic piece of science fiction horror where we have this these people, these alien spores have fallen, and they are making copies of human, assimilating their characteristics, and uh, creating duplicates that are void of all human emotion. Uh, Pod people is kind of where we get that term from. Mm. And what I loved about the researching for this is uh, director Don Siegel was sort of brought attention to there's a scene where the male lead is kissing uh, his love interest. And he says he, he tries to kiss her awake and finds out in a delicious non-pod way. But she's a limp fish and he immediately knows she is a pod. In my life, I am sorry to say, I have kissed many pods. <laughs> Listen no. here, Don. I got some news for you. Oh, Don, you've got a little surprise for you. And, and the essay notes that he, the director, like so much of the horror cinema generally, disavows the possibility of male inadequacy and projects it onto the woman as other. So you basically have all of this, that fear of communism being put into it, but also the fear of they are hiding among us Mm -hmm. inside of your neighbor, your friend, your wife could be someone who isn't straight, who doesn't care about you. And you could be next. Disrupting the family unit. I mean, they're correct. Turning masculinity on its head. (laughs) And it's like, surprise, we can also have families, but go off. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing that's, like, about this movie is that this whole, like, you're next vibe. But also, like, when I was watching it, I was definitely like, oh, this is, like, 
bringing up all of my MAGA anxiety right now. Because it's just like, we, yes. just, we just moved to this like suburban neighborhood in North Carolina. And, um, and there's sort of, there's a neighborhood ordinance where, um, you could not put out, um, um, election sign, like signage. Same here. Um, mm-hmm. Until like a week ago and then it was on. Um, and so that was like the day we were all dreading. We we're like, oh my God, it's all going to come out now. And then we're going to have to, <laughs> um, and, uh, so yeah, so I, I don't know if our if our neighborhood has been spared, but um, it's really mainly been like just devoid of any signage whatsoever. So it's definitely like, but I, my head is on a swivel, and I am like every time I walk around, I'm, I'm like, it, it could be you, devoid of human emotion. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, the, the door swings both ways on this othering anxiety uh, that's that's taking place in these body snatchers movies. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like definitely during the fifties, the 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 thing everybody was freaked out about was like, you're not gonna put on a suit and a fedora and go to the job and have a wife and child, right? You're not going to live how we say that you as a heterosexual person must. And I think what's interesting is like rather than a regular horror or regular alien film where like you very much visualize the other, it's you. And I think that is sort of where it becomes the real monster was the humans all along. <laughs> it's true. I mean, and part, part of my like low key like uh, trivia I do enjoy about Invasion of the Body Snatchers is that it's it's this very like you must conform sort of um, film. Um, but uh, the lead actor Kevin McCarthy, um, he's uh, he was best friends with uh, Montgomery Clift, a famous infamous uh, Hollywood queer person, mm-hmm. and uh, and and. and Monty Clift was somebody that I had a um, a lot of like read a lot of biographies of as, as in in college when I was closeted. I don't know why I was so like interested in how his story turned out, but um, like something that was very key to Kevin McCarthy's friendship with him was that um, it was very clear that like Kevin McCarthy was this sort of like very sweet himbo friend hmm. who was just like you know th- that sort of like straight guy who's like really best friends with a gay guy and like is just in the fifties was unaware. Um, and then in modern day, um, is aware, but doesn't care. So I always think that's like very, um, sort of a wink, uh, that he's even in this movie at all. No, for sure. His energy is very like, I can, I can, I can imagine Kevin McCarthy being so himbo that he would just appear in this movie and not read into any of the subtext and just be like, oh my God, aliens. And and just think it was a straight alien movie. Right. He's just like, this is so interesting. I can't believe it. Let's, t- let's discuss it. And he's like, metaphor for something. What? <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> well, then you also push into the remake in 1978, where they move the action to San Francisco, who a hotbed oh. of all sorts of counterculture. And then you put Donald Sutherland in the lead, um, <laughs> which brings a totally different flavor. Um, oh, for sure. Leonard Nimoy, Margot Kidder, Jeff Goldblum. Like, what was going on in 1978? Listen, the 70s, and I think you, you've just named a whole bunch of people who have um, surprising, uh, like, sexual charisma. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where, like, they're not necessarily on paper, like, oh, yeah, that's like a stud. But then, like, you, like, and, and, and we will get to this in a future episode that I am currently um, devising with, with Mr. Donald Sutherland. But, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where, like, he's so um, odd looking, but then he just, like, in every movie in the 70s, he is just, like, this, like, 
he will just put your fears at ease and and he is just like this uh, he is like the guy um of that era but definitely the um setting this in san francisco <laughs> um in post stonewall san francisco is um is a choice upon a choice upon a choice <laughs> <laughs> absolutely Oh my goodness. And I think, I remember when I first watched this film, I remember thinking to myself, it's like, it's funny how no matter how far we move on, this anxiety about knowing what's in someone else's head, what's in their bed, it's still something that we find ourselves being consumed with. Whether it's like communism or queerness or transness it's like well tell me who you are i need to know exactly where you stand on every topic and it's like well how about like i you eat a snickers i mean like i mean and honestly like i mean you could extend this to like twitter like now that like everybody has a twitter account now like it is a little bit like ooh, i really want to know what like jk rowling really thinks of things and it's like oh shit that was a mistake no it's like oh god (laughs) what a mistake a mistake like it is like it's one of those things where you just realize that like oh the people that you've been idolizing are either like super wretched or don't have a thing in their head about anything like they're just they're they're too blissfully unaware they are too detached from reality so it's 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 never a good thing to want psychic powers telepathy or know what's really going on with your neighbor exactly like either be an x-man or just keep living in bliss it's it's one or the other so one of my favorite monster movie tropes, uh, we're going to do a, a full werewolf episode later on, uh, spoiler alert for the future, but one of my favorite tropes is when women turn into cats because they don't want to have sex with their husbands. I don't know, very specific, <laughs> but... <laughs> oh my God. But I just think that there's just something there that is really interesting. Uh, so we got to talk about Cat People, the 1942 American horror film in which you have this young woman named Irina, who is a Serbian woman living in America, who believes that if she's ever kissed by a man, she will transform into a deadly panther because of witchcraft. Super normal. Uh, and she keeps telling this guy, uh, I'm cursed, we'll turn into a panther. And he's like, baby, panther. I don't even know her. So, <laughs> uh, but she is right. Listen to women and they are wrong. And <laughs> she becomes a cat. She becomes a giant panther, which is what she said. Listen to women, everyone. Listen, she, she, she told everybody. And by the way, Cat People 1942 is Cat People, um, led by one of my like best names ever, Simone Simon. Yes. Uh, like, now appearing uh, on RuPaul's uh, okay. Drag Race. I was going to say, I was like, this is like, what a queen. Like, Simone Simon. Shantae, you stay. Like, it's- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, this this film is wild. I just think the whole idea, the whole concept of, like, everyone... Just, if a woman says she's going to turn into a cat... If she had, if she kisses you, don't kiss her. It's just that simple. Yeah. Why not err on the side of caution? Right. Because like, lesbians love cats, <laughs> and I can't think of a better way to illustrate queerness that a woman literally turns into a cat. 
Right. And it's very specific. It's by a man. So, and I feel like she's being very specific in her words. It's like, you know, if you just, I'm just going to find a nice girlfriend and just like live my best life there. I don't have to worry about any of this other stuff. Yeah. But, uh. I mean, this just goes into people's anxieties about cats, which is just like, oh my God, I really want to go over there and like pet that cat. But like, that cat is like, if the cat wants you to pet that cat, like it's the cat, cats really are like sort of nature's way of teaching us about consent, which is just like, leave that cat alone unless that cat has come over to you. Right. The cat will let you know, like, if I want to be pet, trust me, I will annoy you until you pet me. You will be, you will have no choice but to like, you will, I will, here I am, I'm the cat, pet me. Oh, you um, know, and she does tell this guy. Uh, FYI, um, when I'm aroused, I um, I turn into a cat, a panther, a face-eating panther. And he's like, that's cool. Let's get married. Yes. <laughs> Bizarre. Like, you know, he can't even just test out the waters first, you know? He's like, like, okay, it's so funny sure, because, panther. Like, but, like, my reading of that is just, like, I mean, because it's very, this is, this is 1942. This is very old school. This is, like, you could not do anything sexual until you were married. So saying, marry me, is really code for like Let's I pork. literally gotta have you right now. <laughs> like we gotta just like should we go to the court right now? We just go to the courthouse. We just do this. Right? Like it's it's that. He's like, I listen, know. darling, I don't care if you're a cat or not. I just want to get you married <laughs> off. It's like I love. Listen, uh, I I want to marry you because I am into kitties. So it's fine. <laughs> we could sit here all day unpacking all the different cat kitty language and how it relates to women, but um, I think our listeners have already uh, caught up with us mentally. <laughs> They're like, all right, we get it. We get it. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> so, let's jump to 1957, and, you know, boys can also turn into creatures, but they get dogs. So, we got, I was a teenage yeah. werewolf. Because werewolves are gay. <laughs> yeah. Yup. Yes. Werewolves are gay, um, and we, uh, we're going to get to that. Um, the, uh, I was a teenage werewolf is, um... It's so funny because he's, like, wearing his, like, letterman's jacket, and it's not, and he just, like, keeps wearing his clothes when he turns into a werewolf. He's just, like, I'm still wearing my, like, cute man on campus, like, jacket. He got his varsity letter in in lichenism. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this definitely, um, is giving way because in, uh, I was a teenage werewolf, he's, like, hypnotized into it, which is, like... You know, 50s movies were really just like, I literally don't care how it happens, just get to the monster part. <laughs> um, so they're like, yes, he's he has anger management issues, um, which is another sort of like werewolf thing, which is like, um, you know, like sort of the thing you can't control, whether it's like your, you know, your sexuality or it's your, um, you know, your anger, which is, you know, sometimes something you are using as a... It's a compensation tool because uh, boys are in America are weird about their feelings, and so a lot of times that sadness gets um, bounced back as anger, um, and and that is very very apparent. in I was a teenage werewolf, so his um, his anger management therapist twist is a mad witch scientist, doctor, yeah, like, mad doctor, and it's just like ah, when you hear any sort of bell or anything like that, you'll be this wolf thing, just um, like Daenerys Targaryen. She went to a, the same doctor. <laughs> she did. Like, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Pavlog's, were, Pavlog's werewolf. Right. Um, just like any any bell, no matter what. So, like, unfortunately, he's a high school student, and then that little damn school bell is going to go off every, like, five seconds. 
you know, I was watching the trailer again, and there's so many gems from this trailer that are just gay paranoia at like such a high level. Um, first is mm-hmm. a savage lust to kill. I mean, could that be? Could that be more of a metaphor? Uh, and then right? there's panic. Yeah. Listen, panic penetrates every home. A constant I mean, threat to the brave and the beautiful. I mean, that's the thing with um, with this is that it's just such a like. I mean, and this is a lot of like queer guy anxiety to this day, but like you know, definitely back then is. I mean, you kind of keep going back to that predator language. It's just like a their urges are absolutely not on not to be contained, and they will come after you, and they really don't care. They just have to have you. Blah blah blah. Um, and that's, um, I mean, that's, I mean, that's so apparent in werewolf movies, um, especially this one, which is just like, it's always this like, kind of like sweet or kind of like, you know, like schmucky kind of guy, like, who's just like, oh, he's just kind of like a, you know, hapless person who's like super cute and sweet or whatever like that. But then, oh my God, it has to happen. You know, like it's, it's even, even within that like sweet person, um, it, uh, cannot be contained. Exactly. And this is part of a whole, like, I was a teenager, insert here, movie right. title of, like, how do we get teenagers to, re- to like, villainize teenagers for being different, for having all these weird emotions, but, like, kill them in the end without it being a thing. Turn them into a monster. Because now it's okay for them to go. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, teenagers do want to see themselves just, like, attacking folks. Absolutely. <laughs> They're just like, hey, listen, I'm a rebelling '50s teenager. I got a, I got a switchblade that, ooh, it's not a switchblade, it's a comb. Um, and... Get you one that can do both. <laughs> oh, it's both. With, yeah, I'm, I'm like... high on Brilla Cream fumes. <laughs> exactly. I don't gotta take nothing from nobody. And it's that kind of vibe where I think it definitely like that's why like '50s teen horror hit so hard is that it really fulfilled two. Uh, needs at once, which was, um, oh, these teens are going to run around slashing folks. And then, uh, and then, you know, and then the adults could be mollified by like, oh, but they'll just be slaughtered in the end. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's a way of like taking all of the, we really have villainized angst as a, as a culture for so long because we're like, ugh, angsty teens. But, you know, it, it it's this time of transition and we've managed a way of like, let's just make that time where you're figuring stuff out, where you're like so close to being an adult. Everyone wants all these expectations of you and just be like, let's just make them like evil because that's easier than addressing <laughs> like, maybe they need therapy, like actual good therapy. <laughs> We could all use a touch of therapy. Just a sliver of it. Uh, So when I was thinking about monsters and creatures, I was like, wait, technically, and I I looked it up, technically, Rocky is a monster. Oh, hell yeah. He's a creation. And so I was like, so I was like, let's do Rocky Horror Picture Show, guys, because it is, it's an alien movie, it's a monster movie, it's a possession movie, and it is a queer as hell, sexy good time. Mm -hmm. This is like um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I'm sure I'm not the only one to feel this way. Um, This is a very capital I important movie. Um, for me at, at a certain time. It's one of those things where, like, at a certain time in a young queer person's life, they will encounter Rocky Horror Picture Show for the first time, and they will feel a little less alone when they do. 
And it's a beautiful time. Because it is just, A, it's a good time, and it usually, when you see it, you are in a raucous theater with a bunch of other, like, like-minded, um, either queer folks or fun folks who are going to help you come out. Um, and it's and it's really sort of like the beginning for a lot of people. Well, it's or a you're celebration. In it's a celebration it of queerness. It's a celebration of sexuality, of self, of, like, anything and everything different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, you're literally taking Brad and Janet, who are like as is most like kind of you know white normative couple as, as could be, um, and then it's just gonna be like, in the end, they're all just gonna be like in like high heels and and like fishnets, as they should be, and as it's they be- should and be. it's beautiful. I remember the, so the first time I got to see this uh, lovely production, I saw it when my college was putting on a show of it, like, a, and it was, like, I was so, like, I'm, like, so we're really throwing hot dogs at the theater? So we're really throwing paper (laughs) towels? So we're really, so we're doing this. Princess Me Too, like, so we did it, I think, did you do the shadow cast, like, where it's, like, the movies playing in the background and then, like, the the performers up front are are doing it It, as well? It wasn't. It was more like, you know, the the actual soundtrack was playing, but everyone else was doing the show. The only thing they weren't doing was singing, but they put on the entire stage show. Oh my God. Okay. So this was like, we were, it was the same thing where I was not prepared and I was so like, I was so like, you know, like, oh, you know, sweet, sweet kid, sweet summer child. Mm-hmm. Um, Like uh, I was there and I was like, oh my God, because all, all my friends were in it and I was like in the audience and I was like, I was like, oh no, it's like the show's going badly because people keep yelling stuff. Right. Um, and I was like worried. I was like, I was like, oh, everybody needs to hush up. Um, like, and I was looking around. I can't hear yelling. what's happening. I was like, oh, I can't hear the movie. Everybody keeps yelling asshole. Um, yeah, it was, it's a, such a good time. I think and you then- should know, though, real quick, that um, I did play Riff Raff in my all girls high school's talent shows production of the time warp oh my goodness oh yes just so <laughs> iconic well there's so much to unpack about it but like i feel like the character that gets the least amount of attention sometimes is rocky himself are the most one of the most iconic himbos oh, in, in culture in culture i mean it, he might as well not even have a character name it's just himbo Right. Oh, you know what? For 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 those who are listening who don't know what himbo is, what's oh, yes. a himbo? Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a he bimbo. It's a male bimbo. Um, and it's and it and there's been a bimbo. There's been a himbo debate online. Um, it's usually like um kind of a more traditionally looking like hunky guy who um is acting from a place of like usually like um innocence more than just like like not like stupidity like because i think a lot of people were getting into this like oh you're 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 blah 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 you're you're like you know fetishizing like you know (laughs) like there was there was a lot of takes uh and unfortunately my eyes had to pass across all of them but it was um it was (laughs) it was very unfortunate for me but um yeah it's really more just like oh they're they're like so super innocent that they're like they're they're a little like kind of checked out and clueless because they're just like they're the hot guy but they're not like the mean guy that they're just way too sweet um Mm -hmm. and they're usually like just very supportive we had to we had to come up with a new term for a supportive hot man because so many of y'all are failing that's what that's that's the (laughs) lesson that's the lesson of the himbo is like because of you we had to we had to just come up with a term for like he's hot and nice that's the thing because 
when usually when you're seeing a hot person, you're just like, all right, well, what's your problem? Right. <laughs> at, at what point will you turn on me? Exactly. How are you going to betray me? And I don't want to be betrayed. Uh, exactly. I'm gonna. We can outsmart this person. But then you just get these, you know, these lovely like TikTok himbos who are just like, oh yeah, I'm just kind of here. I'm not doing, you know, like I'm not doing a problematic. I'm just gonna like try to smash this this bottle, um, or I'm just gonna try to work out this like, you know, verbal equation out loud that everybody understands, but I'm having trouble with for some reason. <laughs> I I appreciate how many different ways. Uh, sexuality and and uh, eroticism and everything are shown in Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, you've got Rocky, who's this innocent himbo, who is you know fresh, fresh to the world, and all he really knows, all he really understands, is like, you know, sexual attraction. And then you've got Frank, who ha- you know has these moments of like longing. And, you know, then you have it just there's so many there's so many like like the fun and flirtatious um, moments between Magenta and Columbia. And there's just so many cool ways mm-hmm. that they express themselves. Right. And it's so inviting you to be part of like a non-traditional like smorgasbord of feelings, which I think is so much fun to see even though it has kind of like a you know a tragic ending i feel like that just has to happen because it's like you know we can't live in decadence forever the movie has to end so there has to be some you know act three conflict but i i think it's just such a it's like a warm hug of like adventure and fun and seeing no one get punished for being queer it's just more like you're kind of a dick frankenfurter so we gotta go and like yeah, and the exploration of bisexuality and mm-hmm. pansexuality, um, you know, it's just like I think it's so interesting that we that that Eddie was both the lover of Frank and Columbia and had very different connections to both. And I think that mm-hmm. Eddie doesn't get enough um, time or credit that he deserves in uh, in discussions of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Love Eddie so much. Um... That's definitely something where, because uh, he, because he's so brief, he's such a cameo, and it really depends on your sort of seventies. Hey, that guy knowledge of right. Meatloaf, yeah. Um, who like if if you are aware of Meatloaf today, um, we will not speak of Meatloaf in present day. We will only talk about Meatloaf circa nineteen seventy. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We have to just stop looking up. We can we sometimes. can do anything but that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, uh. <laughs> There she goes. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. There we go. Um, yeah. It's a shame that on uh, the stroke of midnight uh, on uh, 1980, um, he just vanished. He went back to his home. <laughs> he went back to being a bat out of hell. Um, right. <laughs> uh, what I think is interesting about sort of like the horror monster queer genre is that it pretty much went away. Like, it would be something specific. It'd be, like, vampire, werewolf, but sort of, like, the more, you know, ambiguous, you know, guild. Until The Shape of Water, it pretty much kind of faded away in the American horror consciousness. Like, did we just kind of run out of monster takes that weren't, like, humanoid hotties or werewolves? I I just think, like, slashers just kind of became the thing for so long. Um, right, and then because, we got into like, like torture porn. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh god, my like least favorite era. Um, Ditto. But like, talk about like it's like it's like horror is so queer, except torture porn movies. 
Um, <laughs> Basically, I really don't have anything to say there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it did kind of fade away because, like, I mean, like again, like you could go into like in our previous episode on slashers where we got into like Billy and Stu, where it's like monstrous sort of killer people. Yeah, it's like the humans um, become the monsters. It's just like, oh, you don't have to look weird. You can you look normal and you're a monster. Like, that became the whole thing. Yeah, that became, the, like, the creature feature, though, like, is gone. Which I miss, but we did get a small twist on it when The Shape of Water 2017 happened, and Guillermo del Toro was like, I, I take your fish man and I make him a daddy. I give him a butt. I give him everything you want. He's he's delicate. Um, I love eggs. He loves eggs. I love the shape of water. I, people were like, "Should it have one?" And I'm just like, um, "Yeah." I mean, what was it up against that year that you would have picked? I it's I just love such a fish water. out of water tale, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like. <laughs> Punning me out, like you were just like I can't. I'm just being pummeled. I'm I'm just I'm deceased. I can't I can't do any more past episode four now because like I'm literally like I'm not alive anymore. For this, one. this is great. Oh my god. Well, the the just for like some some cultural context. So the year that the the Shape of Water was nominated for Best Picture was the year that Call Me by Your Name was up, mm-hmm. uh, Get Out, and Phantom Thread. Uh, all movies that I would say are very uh, horror queerish in their own ways, and The Shape of Water won, which I felt was like a really subversive sort of take. Because when you watch The Shape of Water, which I think is a solid, awesome movie, you don't look at it and see this is going to win an Oscar. It gagged me like that it won because I was like, this was such a domination year for like. I mean, everything else you just need. Yeah. But, um, because I think, because these other movies were really, like, tapping into something, like, cultural and present and, and, like, urgent. And then it seemed like Shape of Water, like, up front was, like, maybe tapping into less urgency, um, but definitely something, like, very old school. Yes. So The Shape of Water takes place during the 1962 Cold War era, because of course. And you have this Sally Hawkins character, Elsa, who... (laughs) Elsa. Gay icon. Gay icon. Elsa. The first time you meet her, she wakes up and she times her her masturbation time. And I was just like, you, ma'am, are my hero. (laughs) (laughs) And she works for this government laboratory and ends up meeting this humanoid amphibian who is a hottie. And they form a close bond. Uh, uh, Elsa is, what is it called? Uh, I want to use the right term, but she well, she's, does n- she's, she's, she's a nonverbal injured. communicator. Yes. Yeah, she's a she's nonverbal communicator. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she and the monster well we'll just call them the love interest our love interests do not communicate verbally and so part of their bond is them communicating in this new way with her sign language and the antagonist is uh michael shannon as richard strickland this colonel who has so much who is so deep in the closet i don't even know how he can get out (laughs) yeah 
I don't I don't think there's much luck there. Uh, and then we had Richard Jenkins, who plays a Elsa's closeted neighbor, who is a gay man, has his own kind of little interesting sub story going on there. But it's a film that very much is both alluding to this older time of like really using the monster trope to be a sympathetic portrayal of the other rather than a vilified one of the other. Mm. And in that way, I find it a lot of fun, even though it is definitely not sort of like as topical as Get Out or Lady Bird or Call Me By Your Name, which I think probably now we would say or have kind of lasted longer in the cultural consciousness. Yeah, we're still like probably talking about that. But yeah, like that's the thing like where um, I found it to be like a very beautiful, like gen- gentle depiction of queerness, which is... Um, you know, so rare. Um, and definitely, like, I appreciated that there wasn't just the one queer closeted person. Um, that it was a nice balance in that. And it, probably there was some intention there to balance out the, like, it's not just the evil closeted person. It, there's also the... <laughs> there's the helpful closeted person. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, Giles um, is a grumpy gay, but I love a grumpy gay. Ugh, I love Giles. Love a grouch, yeah. And I loved his uh, his little sub story of having that crush on the pie guy, where Dixie Doug's pie shop, baby. Yeah, like she he meets this pie guy. He has a crush on him and and eats his disgusting pie, even though you know it's it's not good. But he's cute. But he ends up being racist, and Giles like, oh no, that does not slay, and just like ends up just leaving him and becoming this ally. But I enjoyed his story of just showing, amongst all of this, those quiet moments of like, he is already a marginalized person. Mm. And going into a situation to make himself more marginalized is just not something that you want to do. Like not every marginalized person is trying to be a hero. They're just trying to like live a comfortable life. Yeah. Right. And he, you know, he does turn out to be quite the hero in this. Absolutely. And it's so, and I think that makes it such a good balance. And I think with Michael Shannon's character, you have basically the character who would have been the hero. Like he would have been in the old times, the everyman, macho, very, very square jawed uh, person who's supposed to save the woman from this monster. And instead you have this amphibian man who is this sort of like same hermaphrodite type body, but it's treated with like respect and love and affection. I just found that to be very just from a horror standpoint, I was happy for it. Do you think the 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 to do about the fish sex kind of derailed the the attention the the attention this movie should have gotten i mean i think like the like especially around oscar time the oscar narrative always is just like wrong like it's always just like oh we're gonna pick something crack some jokes about it this is what the host is gonna joke about for like 17 minutes um, and then we're going to totally kind of lose the thread on that. I mean, going even back to like, I mean, when Brokeback Mountain was up for an Academy Award, there were so many gay jokes. Um, and, and it just is one of those things where, um, yeah, I, I just think, yeah, I think like the fish sex was definitely like the shorthand way people kind of spoke about it that ended up making it seem a little more of a trifle, um, especially re- being released in 2017, which was sort of our first year of hell. Um, mm-hmm. 
anything that wasn't not like on its face like very important did seem a little like superfluous yeah and i think it just like that was actually overall like just a really solid oscar year you know we had a lot of really great films and i think that we are in a time where like romance movies fantasy movies horror movies are just not kind of given their due by the academy it's like someone it has to be something with like a a hard message or like cringy in a different way and i think that the shape of water is so subversive because despite having all of these things that it's saying it is a tender movie it's very tender it's a romance it's like a love story it just happens to be with bodies that we would not prioritize in a in a film like that it's also it's also a lot about friendship Mm -hmm. friendship about just people who are usually just stomped on and like you know, it's, it's definitely not like a perfect movie, but that it's like, you know, the only other movie that I would have wanted to win that year would have been Get Out. Like, those are my top two. Right. So I'm just like, you know, we either had the movie that's like the horror film, fantasy film where with loving fish sex or we get like, you know, a black lead film. And I'm like, win win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely think like the like academy was i mean i think that was the year we were all worried it was going to be like three billboards or something oh god yes like we were very like or the post the post that somehow got nominated for anything i'm like you guys are such you're so full of it yeah i mean that's the thing so i mean i'm glad that it was like kind of down to that but it was always going to be like all right this is definitely a movie that kind of makes everybody feel like okay versus get out which very like on purpose like asks the audience to interrogate themselves exactly. so um, exactly yeah. because the post stole itania's spot because that should have been nominated for best picture and that's a hill i will die on that's a queer horror <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ultimate monster movie is the government trying to take tanya harding down True. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh man. So yeah, sadly, we don't really have a future where like creature horror is the thing. Like it's really been relegated to like, is it a zombie movie? Is it a vampire movie? Is it a werewolf movie? But like, we don't really do gay monsters anymore. And I think that's a tragedy. Listen, I'm a big supporter of let's bring back the gay monsters. And this time we're going to be reclaiming them and, um, and doing something with my... I, I believe the era of the gay monster will return in a much different format. I I just hope that it's... Because you know it's going to be a, a Ryan Murphy thing. Like, I, I don't... Oh, he, yeah. He's going to just do, like, some giant, like, we're going to do my own, you know, Shape of Water. And we're all going to sigh, watch it, but sigh deeply. Yeah, as long as the monster's monstrousness isn't from its queerness, I'm fine. Bring on the gay monsters. Absolutely. I'm even like, I'm just, this is what a rotted, like, kind of older queer I am that I'm just like, I was like, I would even be fine with, like, it's monstrousness from the queerness because I'm a big fan of, like, yeah, claim your monstrosity, um, which is something I will probably get into next episode. Yes. Uh, which we will then unpack. You know what I think? I, I would love queer monster, queer hero. Like, if we're going to have a queer mm. monster, we, we should fight it ourselves, you know? I, yep. And then there's um, some nice sexual tension. Exactly. Uh, like Jennifer's body, which would probably be like our last really good like modern like creature feature because she's a succubus. That's a creature. Yes. 
Perfect. All right. So that was a good rundown as the bells are ringing, summoning yet another wolfman to turn. Uh, <laughs> let me go. let me ask you guys, what monster did you find cute as a kid that everyone else was kind of afraid of? And you're like, I don't get it. I would hug it. Hmm. I'm going to say the stuff from the stuff. Um, Whoa. I'm not familiar with the stuff. Who doesn't love ice cream? Even if it's actually an alien creature that will take over your mind and make you into a homicidal maniac. Mm. Delicious. Very good. Very good. Um, I was not super scared by Chucky. Like I was, I was like, oh, I was, I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, I, this I, is was fine. Like, I was like, this is a doll. It's fine. I, I don't have like a doll thing. I don't have like a, oh my God, it's a creepy doll. It's a ventriloquist dummy. It's a this, that. Like I, I'm, I'm definitely like a, no, no, no. It's a, it's a just, it's just a doll. If it's coming at me like too badly, I'll, I'll just kick it. <laughs> You're, it's like, have you ever seen like in scary movie two where Regina oh. is like, it's like, this is a skeleton. It's just a bone. It's just bone. That's, that's, that's <laughs> really Chucky. I'm like, I'm like, why are you? Why? What are we doing here? Um, oh my god! For for me, the creature where I was like, "This is fine." Was Predator? I was like, "Oh my god, he's so cool!" I I was like, "Can we be friends?" So I didn't think he was cute, but I was just like, I was "Like, but can we be friends? Can I hang out with it?" Yeah. I'm not he's afraid. Kind of an anti-hero, you know? Yeah, I'm like you know, maybe he's right to hunt us. Did you ever think about that, guys? Mm-hmm. No, they no. I guarantee. I mean, you they I, I do mean, not. I would be against the the industrial military complex. There we go. <laughs> Predator oh. is woke. Well, princess, thank you again for leading us in this discussion. Where can our listeners find you on social media? I can be found on Twitter at at weeks princess w e e k e s and. Uh, yeah, this has been so much fun. Thanks for letting me, you know, rant and rapple about monsters and monster butts <laughs> I love <laughs> amazing Adam uh, when you're not turning into a, a werewolf uh, at the sound of bells uh-huh. where can we find you Ooh, okay well you can find me on twitter at uh, the Adam Sass at instagram at it's Adam Sass uh, and you can purchase my why uh, horror debut novel surrender your sons which everybody was talking about um, queer hero versus queer villains and queer monsters that is very much that um, we have some we have some queer um, monsters within this uh, you know um, real life societal monsters and then uh, and then we have the queer heroes fighting them it is a conversion therapy camp uh, revolution story so you can buy that surrender your sons anywhere you buy your books and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dana Pickley. That's two C's, a one L. I'll try to tell less puns, tell fewer puns in the next episode. Uh, but yeah, until you better then... heat up with that. You, it, it, it needs to be like twice as much. It twice as much. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So you can find me there. And uh, also you can find my website queermediamatters.com once again we are part of the anatomy of a scream podcast network thank you so much for being here with us and until next time stay queer and stay spooky (laughs) the anatomy of a scream pod squad